The material in this podcast is for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should not rely on this information to make any medical-related decisions. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a doctor-patient relationship, and nothing should be taken as specific medical advice for any given person. I hope you enjoy Marked Medicine. Hey, Mark. I have a question. Okay. How many times do you think I've asked you that question? Do numbers go that high? I doubt it. And from that concept, the idea of marked medicine was born with Dr. Mark Brulte. And with Amanda Brulte, my favorite nurse practitioner. And you're now listening to Marked Medicine. Welcome to Marked Medicine, the podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Brulte, and I'm here today with my wife and favorite nurse practitioner, Amanda Brulte. We're honored today to have a very special guest, Officer Dave Gomez, otherwise known as Officer Gomez online. He has a very large online presence. He talks a lot about of the, the dangers facing our children today and ways parents can help them. And we're just really pleased to have him. And he's been a school resource officer for over 10 years. Just has a vast amount of knowledge in helping our children. And it, we're really lucky to have him. Officer Gomez, how are you doing today out in Idaho? Well, excellent, and I'm glad to be here, and thanks for having me, and excited to talk to you guys about everything that's happening. Perfect. I know I'd love for you to give us a little bit of your background. I read that you have an engineering background, which just instantly clicked with me because I've watched and read a lot of your stuff online, and I always just said, gosh, that guy is so intelligent. You know, I was a dentist before I went to medical school, and in New Orleans, a lot of engineers went back to dental school and medical school with me, and they were always the brightest and the best in the class. They were just a, a notch above everybody else. So tell us about your background and what's been going on. So I have a bachelor degree in electronics engineering technology, and I worked in the semiconductor field for 15 years. One day, I was looking at the newspaper for our local town, and they said they needed police officers. So I said, hey, I think I'm going to be a police officer. So at age 36, I became a police officer. I worked uh, patrol for three years before I was asked to become a school resource officer at a middle school. Um, my engineering background, just taking notes and seeing you know, actions and reactions, I wrote down lots of stuff that was happening between kids and parents. And since I was seeing kids of every type and I was right in the muck of technology coming forth, I used my police skills with my engineering skills to advise parents on things I was seeing in a pretty raw format that's not political, not, you know, judgy. I try not to be judgy. Sometimes I am, but <laughs> we uh, give it in a raw format. The parents can understand and they can take the information and, hey, here it is. Here's what I'm seeing. Do with it what you like. And then I see best practices of, you know, great kids and their parents versus some of the things that don't turn out quite so well. And in the midst of all that, my wife and I, we started taking in some high-risk teens as well. So we not only got what I was seeing at school, but we actually took some, some high, you know, drug-addicted homeless kids into our own home and tested out some of the theories that we had, as well as learned a lot from them. You know, it's interesting. Over 25 years, I've been in the ER, and I tell people all the time, the only job societally that is more... I don't know, I hate to use the word worse, but it's it's worse than my job is being a police officer or a fireman or a paramedic. You're out in an uncontrolled environment, which is oftentimes with dangerous people. And I've watched a lot of things change over the last 25 years. It used to be a rare event that I would have a teenager under a psychiatric hold order. 
and waiting to get them placed in a psychiatric facility. And now it's just all too common. There's certainly not a week that goes by that that doesn't happen. Oftentimes I have very young children and teenagers in the ER with mental health crises or a family crisis. It just really didn't happen that often 20 or 25 years ago. And what have you watched change over the last several years? So I've watched the same thing. And as prescription pills for people become mainstream, not only for adults, but for kids as well, we have gone to a pill is the answer for everything. And, you know, while there are some kids who might need some pills, not every kid needs pills. And, you know, I've, I've seen in my own home, whenever we take in the high-risk teens, every one of them has come in with pills. And almost every one of them, we've been able to get off of pills sooner or later by just following some things, getting them some self-worth and some value and some control of their life. We can usually get rid of those pills, um, not in all cases, but in most of the cases we can. But just, you know, social media is, is, is normalizing giving people pills. So if adults are on pills, why not give it to kids? And it's just not the answer sometimes. It's interesting. I was reading some statistics while studying for this, and there are rising rates of mental health disorder amongst kids and adolescents compared to times past. Mental health hospitalizations are increasing for kids. I have certainly seen that myself. The suicide rate, unfortunately, is increasing. It's the second leading cause of death amongst youth. And scarily, it's the number one cause of death in what we call young teenagers, ages 13 and 14. I think that social media and smartphone usage and the pressures thereof have a lot to do with this. It's, if not causative, it certainly correlates with this. I don't know how to analyze it, but maybe maybe you can tell us. I guess the question I have is, since you've been doing this for quite some time now, do you see a difference in kids today compared to when you started doing this because of them having access to smartphones and social media? I do. I, they're much more emotional than they used to be, right? I mean, it, when I first started this, it, kids could still be kids. Now we're on social media and you know, we're all about their feelings and their beliefs. And, and I ask kids a lot, what are you worth? What's your values? And nowadays when I ask kids this, you know, a lot of them, first they tell me they don't understand the question, but then their next thing is they start telling me political values. Hey, well, I believe in CRT or I believe in abortion, or I believe, you know, they start giving me all these political things that they're seeing on social media and they don't have any true values of their own. And their families don't have any true values. And when you don't have this, the absence of this, you really don't know who you are and you really don't have control over your life. And, and it's a tough thing to battle. But I ask parents all the time, how much time are you spending with your kids versus how much time they're spending on social media? And if it, you know, you're spending an hour a week versus them spending 10 hours a day on social media, social media is raising your kids. Well, that's actually one thing that I was going to ask you today. What are some tips that you may have for parents on helping kids realize and recognize their worth versus allowing them to have so much free time on their smartphones? So my answer to every problem that comes to me is more family time, right? Every, every time a parent comes to me, hey, look, you know, what, what should I do? Number one is like, hey, go to a family coach, a parenting coach. Number two is spend more family time with your kids and be a good example. But some of the other tips, you know, family building, some people think you have to be rich or you have to have a ton of time or you don't, you can, you can build families easy. One of the, one of the quickest, easiest ways I tell people, pick a sports team as a family, you know, get some swag, make some swag, and then, you know, spend 
you know, Saturday, watching football with your team and with your family, and let's do some family building. Go on hikes, do photography. One of my favorite activities is, you know, boating. You go on a boat, you're stuck with your family for a while with no phone, no anything. Not everybody can afford a boat, so I understand that. But there's a lot of things you can do to build up your family. <clears throat> now, when we take teens in and they're very depressed, they're on pills, they're the fastest thing we can do to build up their self-worth is get their homework done. Right. And I know these days there's a lot of people who think that homework is the devil. And, and it's probably one of the hottest topics I post about on my social media. But when we found if we can get a kid's homework done for about three weeks, pretty soon they come home and say, hey, I got to be on a test I didn't even study for. And we sit down and we talk and we're like, OK, are you smarter than you were three weeks ago? Well, no, I just put some effort in. Well, once they get homework done, they get some good grades on their test. Now they have control of their life. Because if you go to school and you don't turn in your homework, you're going to have anxiety, you're going to have depression, you're going to feel like an alien in class, you're going to feel like you're wasting time in school, and that weighs heavily on kids. And instead of getting their homework done, parents want to start pushing pills, right? Let's give some anti-anxiety pills. Let's give some depression pills. When, hey, let's just give them some self-value, some control of their life. So basically, what I've always said is that humans are happiest when they're helping other people or they're creating something, or they're achieving something. It's just common sense. You're trying to reinstate common sense into a digital world that's gone mad. Is that what it, that's what it looks like to me. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. And I'll ask parents, hey, when's the last time your kid's fingernails were dirty? Great question. Yeah, get outside and do some stuff. And I actually listened to a couple of your other podcasts that you've done, and I've heard you speak about helping kids know their worth and recognize that they are worthy and they do have value. And we're actually lucky here in our community because we actually have an organization that is named the Know Your Worth Collaborative. And some of their... Um, you know, board members actually recorded an episode with us and they're just doing great things in our community to help um, kids and teens recognize that their life does have value and meaning and it gives them an outlet and they have ambassadors within the school system that are helping get the message out there and they're starting conversations and helping kids start to recognize that mental health is a real issue. And these are the things that you know, we can do to recognize that we're valuable within ourselves. And what's amazing is that we have some other kids in our community that have started their own collaboratives. You know, they've kind of followed the lead of the Know Your Worth collaborative. For example, we have one young lady here in our town that is dyslexic and she's promoting awareness for dyslexia. She recorded an episode with us also. And we have um, another um, young man that's 17 years old. He has his own initiative that's called Today Will Be Better campaign. And he helps to raise awareness for depression and anxiety amongst teenagers. Yes. And, and building up your friends, your family and your community is one of the best things for human beings. I always tell kids I've never met a happy bully. Right. Inversely. People that build up their friends, their family, and their community are the happiest people I've ever met in my entire life. And it doesn't take, it doesn't matter religion, gender, anything, that those are going to be the happiest people. Yes, I think these things help and work works. I agree with that completely. Work works. Absolutely. And you know, usually, Officer Gomez, we like to let our listeners know or kind of give them a heads up of 
who we're going to be speaking with on the show, and we'd like to give them an opportunity to submit any questions that they may have. But we actually kept this one kind of close to us because we're just super excited that you did this with us, and we wanted this to be a surprise for everyone. However, I did share with one of my nurse practitioner friends that we were going to be talking with you, and she had an excellent question. I would love for you to answer that if you can. And what she asked was, she said, do you actually have a spyware or a monitoring platform that you recommend that parents invest in in order to put onto their kids' smartphones? So that is a great question and one I get often, probably daily. Um, so here's how those spywares work. They, they're monitoring whatever they are. They write code to go with Apple or Android software. And then they, they put that out there and parents can see some things. The problem with those is that every time the phone system does an upgrade, the monitoring softwares have to start all over again. And so sometimes they're good at one thing and not so good at another thing, but there's always going to be holes in their software and the kids are going to exploit this every single time, all the time. So I like much better the specialty phones, you know, Bark Phone, Gab Wireless, TrueMe, Lightphone, Pinwheel. Those are much better. They're not foolproof, but they are much better than an actual phone that you give your kids because Kids have this network of other kids all around the world who, as soon as anything comes out, they work at getting the workarounds for all the phones and all the monitoring devices. So it's very, very hard for any kind of monitoring to catch up with all the kids' information, right? And especially with parents, they're not tech savvy like kids. Kids are going to outdo them almost every time. And I see genius things that kids do to get around the monitoring software. And so the monitoring software, sometimes one is better than the other, but they all work hard at being good. They cannot keep up with what is going on with cell phones. And the same is going to come true with Chromebooks. A lot of people don't understand those Chromebooks that they send home with you. Those Chromebooks are just as dangerous as a smartphone and kids can get around every monitoring software that's on them. And unfortunately, parents, sometimes they put too much faith in the school monitoring software and think, oh, well, hey, the school must have vetted these computers. They must have this super software. They must be keeping an eye on it, so they have a lot of faith in it, and they shouldn't. And I do follow your post, and I do know a little bit about your recommendations, but for those who may be listening who are not familiar with the things that you share on social media, what is the usual age that you recommend parents allow their child to have a smartphone? So the best age for me would be 16. 13 would be the minimum. However, when a parent says, hey, my fifth grade kid is the only kid in class without Snapchat, they're right. Right. And what, what I tell parents is as soon as you give kids a phone, whether it's your phone, whether it's an iPad, that's like giving them a drug. And as soon as they're hooked on that drug, they are going to do anything to get more of that drug. Right. And it's hard to take it back once you start. So it's tough. And in fifth grade, most kids in fifth grade already have their cell phones. Right. So that's way before 13. And that's way too young. And I see the results of that. I see predators who are getting into kids. I see you know, kids who are having mental health problems because their whole world is on that cell phone, but their parents are the same way. If you follow my page, you see people, you see adults that break down on my page or they go all in on some crazy argument or they, you can see they're, they stayed up all night worrying about something some stranger said on Facebook. Well, if you do that as an adult, guess what? Your kids are going to do the same thing. And that actually leads to the next question that was submitted by a good friend of mine. She asked, what are some of the tactics that these traffickers and pedophiles are using right now that we as parents should be aware of? 
Okay, so the first thing is they will use fake accounts that are either that are the same age as your kids. So if they're going after seven-year-olds on Roblox, the, the kids are the predators are going to use an eight-year-old profile, a nine-year-old profile. The next thing they do is they try to get an emotional hook into your kid. So they'll start a conversation, how are you doing, whatever. And then pretty soon they say, hey, you know, I'm really sad today. My dog died or I'm really sad. My grandma died and I don't know how to act. And I'm thinking about killing myself. So now they start getting an emotional hook. Then pretty soon, you know, they start also telling them, hey, look, your family doesn't understand you like I do, especially if there's some kind of a problem in the house. Hey, my parents told me I have to get off because I only have a two hour limit. Well, then the predators will start pitting the, the, the kid against the parents. And because you're on social media, the kids can't tell. They have this perfect friend on the line who understands them much more than parents do and think they know better than parents do, and they don't. But you are letting a, a very bad actor into your house, into your kid's brain when you give them a cell phone. Those are the biggest tricks is the emotional hook and the pitting the kids against parents and telling, hey, you don't, you know, your, your friends don't understand you like I do. Your parents don't understand you like I do. We have a special connection nobody else does. Yeah, so that almost sounds just like old school tactics, but they're just translated now to the digital world. Exactly. It's, it's what worked a long time ago. It's what still works. It's just much easier now because now predators have access to kids all night long in their bedrooms. They do. They do. I mean, is there any way for parents to keep up with all of this and, and keep our kids safe? <clears throat> the best way is not give them a smartphone. The, the second best way is spend some time with your kids. Have talks with them. So in our house, when we take in teens, sometimes we get their friends as well, but we'll have their friends over and we'll, we call tribal council. It's like, hey, it's tribal council. Come sit. And we'll sit in the living room and we'll talk about the good things. We'll talk about the not so good things. We'll talk about dating tips. You know, hey, who should you date? Who shouldn't you date? What are the minimum requirements for dating? You know, we'll talk about jobs. We'll talk about, you know, all kinds of things in a healthy family environment. And we, you know, we let them know, hey, look, you guys are part of the family just like we are. Have discussions with your kids, right? That's going to be the best thing you could do. Tabletop, different things they might encounter. Hey, what are you going to do if you're in the car and somebody else is texting and driving, right? What are you going to do if you're at a party and somebody else is drinking? Or if one of your friends says they're going to commit suicide on Snapchat and you don't really know them and it's two in the morning, right? These are things that parents have to talk about. We have to tabletop these things. And this is where you build your values. This is, hey, in this family, this is how we act. This is how we would like you to act. What are some other age-appropriate things that we should be talking to our middle schoolers about? Middle schoolers specifically, if you don't mind. <clears throat> so middle schoolers, especially as soon as you give your kid a phone, they have access to pornography. So we have to talk about pornography always. Um, even if you don't give your child a phone, as soon as other kids in their class have a phone, they have access to pornography. So we have to talk about pornography and we have to explain that, hey, you know, that that is show business. It's not real life. It's not relationships that you don't have the you know the imperfections that humans do so we have to talk about that vaping you have to talk about vaping super early because now fifth graders are vaping in fact my my record right now is from a fifth grader who's brought the most vapes of anybody to school so fifth graders fourth graders we've got to have the vaping conversations and, and vaping is the gateway to everything else we have to have some sex conversations you know what's what's appropriate for touching you know what can people touch what can't people touch um, what's appropriate for people talking to you, right? Hey, do you let a random 50-year-old come talk to you on the street? Do you let a random 50-year-old talk to you on social media? Um, what's appropriate for, you know, what they're going to see on TV? We have in the school this this week and last week, we have a couple of our teachers that are showing Israel footage. 
right? And that they're, they're streaming new stuff, but for some kids, they've never seen things like this. They don't know how to act. And, you know, probably one of the worst things is they saw somebody shoot a dog right in front of them just for no reason. And that's, that's shocking. Some of the applications that they're going to see at school, which Omegle is probably the worst one, but they're going to see live actors performing sex acts in front of them. This is fourth and fifth grade. So talk to your kids. What do they do when somebody's showing them some shock video? What do they do when somebody asks them, hey, do you want to vape? And, you know, and it smells tutti fruity, fresh and fruity, popcorn, candy, awesomeness. So there's lots of lots of conversations. And these, you know, you can't just have the conversation once. You have to have it over and over and over again. Um, I tell parents, hey, look, I talk to kids about texting and driving. Somebody died at another school a couple cities away. All the kids are going to say, okay, I'm not going to text and drive because that's craziness. But as soon as they leave my presence, they get out on the road drive, text or driving. What do they see? Every adult around them is texting and driving, telling them it's okay. Right? So my one time in a month or two months, how big a message is that compared to every adult around them showing them that it's okay? Right? So we have to rinse and repeat often these conversations because they're getting it often on, on social media. You know, like I mentioned earlier, the rates of mental health disorder definitely rising amongst kids and whether it's causative or correlative, I don't really know, but certainly the cell phone usage has paralleled this, okay? So assuming it is causative, the scary thing is kids with mental health disorders have a 40% high school graduation rate. They have a very increased rate of sexually transmitted illnesses. They have dramatically worse problems with alcohol and drug use. So the things you're talking about are real, and it's not just oh my gosh, they're captivated by their cell phone. No, we're talking real world problems that lead to really severe consequences. Hopefully not at all, but at least later in life and potentially even when they're teenagers and not graduating, not getting educated. I mean, these things can be life destroying. So what you're doing is so very important and people kind of miss the big picture. And I'm definitely seeing it in the uh, in the increasing rate of mental illness amongst young people. And it makes you wonder, you know, what's actually going on? Yeah, it's super tough. And right now, probably the bigger, well, one of the giant epidemics along with that is kids sending out nude photos of themselves, right? And TikTok is a big, big problem with this is that a lot of their challenges and a lot of their content is adult females who are showing, you know, their body parts and showing how much money they make. Well, of course, kids want to do the same thing and they do. And so now what's happened is nude photos have become a basically currency in the schools. You can trade nude photos for drugs. You can trade nude photos for phones. You can trade nude photos for homework. And so what I'm starting to see is, you know, junior girls, senior girls are starting to say, hey, look, you know what? Diplomas are for ugly people because if you're pretty, you can make a lot of money uh, selling your nude photos. Um, just this week, we had a teacher quit her job because they found out she had an OnlyFans account. This is national news and not at our school. And so now she came back and said, hey, in the, in the six months since I quit my teaching job, I've made a million dollars selling nude photos and sex online. Right. Well, this is a bad message to give out to kids. Right. And then once a kid puts a photo online and sells it and they can. So we've had middle school girls selling photos. You know, their parents call me and say, hey, my daughter has eight thousand dollars in her Venmo account. What's going on? They go, oh, she sold her photos. Once you make money like that, it's hard to go back to making money regular, right? How are you going to talk a kid into going making $18 at McDonald's when they just made, you know, $1,800 by taking one photo and posting it for a week? 
and the legal complications of this are are scary. This is child pornography and stuff like that. People can be imprisoned over this kind of stuff. I, I don't think they understand that at all at this age. They don't understand that. And I always tell them, you know, the police consequences are real, but the real life consequences are much worse because now you have predators who get a hold of a naked photo of a teen and now they're coming to our volleyball games because we don't check IDs. They're following kids home from school. They're going to their work. They're taking photos of their parents. I mean, you get stalkers right away when they have a photo of a naked kid. And especially, you know, they have Snapchat, so they have their mapping open. So now this predator has access to all things this kid. And then we have sextortion. And we have all these things that happen for the rest of your life. And those naked photos come do come back to bite kids 10, 20 years from now. Right. When you go to try and find a job and, you know, as whatever, now you're going to have to deal with that. But the predators that come after you, people can't imagine the level of darkness that some people have because they've been raised in somebody's basement on social media and they don't understand reality. So we're getting more and more reports of predators actually stalking people that they have naked photos of. I know we have lots of people that are interested in vaping, and Mark may touch on that in a second. But before he does, can you give us any information about the gummies? The gummies here in our community were a huge issue amongst middle schoolers last school year. The kids were bringing these gummies to school, and they were eating them, and they were passing out, having to go to the ER. And I mean, can you give parents any tips? I mean, where are the kids getting these gummies from? Are they getting them on the bus? Are they getting them from other kids? I mean, how are they getting access to things like this? So Snapchat and Telegram are the two programs that sell more drugs than anything else. Um, You can get any kind of drug there is. The gummies are a nice way for drug dealers to get drugs into schools and get kids hooked early, right? So they'll put marijuana inside gummies. I mean, we've even had fentanyl in gummies now. But when you start putting marijuana in gummies, the kids start eating gummies, they get some kind of feeling at school. And because they're either bored or they don't like school at all, it gives them something to focus on outside of of paying attention in class. But if you can get kids hooked on that, Next is vaping, next is actual marijuana joints, then we got heroin, then we got cocaine. And, and I tell parents, look, I've never had a, a person go from zero to meth. They've never gone from zero to cocaine. They always start with smoking something, right? Usually it's smoking cigarettes, smoking vapes, and vapes is right now is, is half my high school is vaping easily. And I teach at high schools around the, the country and it's about the same everywhere I go. And we just don't have the data. Every time I tell a kid, hey, why don't you stop? And they say, why should I? Well, I've got some reasons for people to quit vaping if they want to hear them. I mean, you can get something called popcorn lung, which is the nickname for it, but it's really bronchiolitis obliterans. It actually destroys the smallest little airways right before the air sacs, and that damage is permanent. It doesn't happen every time, but it can happen very, very rapidly when you start vaping. It's also irreversible. You can also get something called EVALI, which is e-cigarette vaping associated lung injury. And they've taken some of the chemicals out, but there's still suppliers that put some of these dangerous diacetyl chemicals in there that damage lung. And man, it's it's really bad. It's just not good at all. And it it's something unique about the vaping that they don't totally understand. And the gummies that they use now, a lot of these gummies have 10, maybe 15% THC. The marijuana from the 60s during the hippie movement, you know, that marijuana had maybe 3, 4, 5% THC. 
So now I see kids in the ER that are seizing. They're, they're teenagers having seizures because the THC levels that that they're taking are so high and it lowers their seizure threshold. You start having seizures and it's not the marijuana that their parents and grandparents knew. It's just totally different. And fentanyl is one of the scariest things. People just take a very, very small amount of these altered fentanyl molecules such as sufentanil and carfentanil and these other things and they immediately quit breathing. I mean, just something super tiny, just this minuscule amount amount smaller than a BB. They snort it, they ingest it, whatever, and they just absolutely quit breathing and they effectively die immediately. And if somebody's not right there with Narcan to resuscitate them and reverse it, they just literally die. And thank God that all the police officers now carry Narcan with them, but still their friends may just run away and leave them and, and nobody knows they're there and then they're dead. It's it's terrible. I don't think these teenagers and these kids really understand the potentiality of all this stuff and how dangerous it really is. They don't. And the problem is that the information is just all muck. They can go online and find stuff that says vaping is not bad for you. And the marijuana mob is really strong. They put out all kinds of information on how the benefits of marijuana. And, you know, there might be some benefits, but for kids, it, there's no benefits. There's no anything. I always tell the kids, do your own math. The last 10 kids that dropped out of high school, how many of our potheads? Every one of them. Every one of them. And so here you have a kid who's consuming information on social media 10 hours a day, 15 hours a day. And all they see is, hey, you know, people are, are making up stuff about, you know, vapes, making up stuff about marijuana, making up stuff about prescription pills. And so the, the correct information is somewhere in there, but they don't get any of that. And so I have to have some really scary talks with them. In fact, what we're seeing in the schools is that the nicotine vapes, because they have such a con high concentrate of nicotine, are actually causing more seizures than the THC vapes, right? Because these are 50 milligram vapes. It's, it's, you know, 10 cigarettes all at once. But again, they don't care about that kind of stuff. So you have to, we have to get some other information. And what I do is I tell them, look, addiction is giving up everything for one thing. And I know these kids in fifth and sixth grade. I know they're dirt biking. I know they're photographers. They're horseback riding. They're everything else. As soon as they start vaping or doing marijuana, they give up everything for one thing, right? Hey, they don't do that anymore because all they want to do is get their vape, their nicotine high, and hang out with their friends. And the other thing I tell parents is there's always two addictions to anything. When you are vaping, you've got the, the nicotine addiction, plus you have the social addiction because your friends start to change. It starts becoming a lifestyle. And every time I tell a parent that I caught their kid vaping, the parent thinks their parental authority is going to make them stop. It's like, no, you have two giant addictions there. It's not going to be easy to stop. Same thing with THC. Giant addictions. You have the lifestyle, plus you have the addiction to the THC. And some people, oh, well, THC isn't addicting. Well, it's addicting enough because people have a hard time stopping. I know in our community, they've put together these simulation type courses and the kids can wear, say, like virtual reality goggles and they can see what it's like to drive drunk. And they give them other scenarios where maybe they're at a party and they're offered drugs and, you know, they can see the consequences of what it's like to actually overdose, of course, in a, a scenario type situation. I mean, do you think that these types of learning activities are actually helpful? I guess I'm just kind of thinking, you know, like, is there anything that we can actually do to make a difference? Is there anything that we can actually do to help kids understand the dangers of vaping and, you know, doing drugs and all these things that we've talked about today? So 
I have drunk goggles myself and, and the courses are kind of fun. I don't know that that actually helps as much as putting the kids in contact with professional adults, right? Because some kids don't have any professional adults in their life. They don't have any role models. So by doing those activities, and it could be anything, as long as you have somebody who's coming in and talking with kids about the dangers and telling them, hey, look, here's my experiences. Here's what I see. Here's what I know. So that they get a little bit more information from somebody other than social media. And so, yes, those things are going to help. Not because there's some magic in the drunk goggles. The magic is in having a successful adult speaking to a kid. Well, I mean, you do give me hope. So basically what you're saying is that you do believe that when successful adults put on these types of courses that and have these types of conversations with our kids today, that it that the information really does resonate with the kids? They do resonate with the kids at, at some degree, no matter what, right? Anything positive you can do, it, it helps. You know, when we take in our high-risk teens, it's always tough because you have these giant battles and sometimes it feels personal when you, you see so so much progress in kids and all of a sudden they fall back to drugs one day or something. And my wife always has a hard time. It's like, oh, she takes it personally. I say, look, these, these are kids. They need love and no love is ever going to be wasted. No time with kids is ever going to be wasted, right? And it might not be enough. It might not be the fix, but we want to add as much of that as we can. And there's kids that are on survival mode. I always call it the luck survival parents. They can't even think to school, right? They don't even know if they're going to be able to eat tomorrow or if mom's going to come home or if dad's going to come home and beat them or whatever's happening. They're on the luck survival parenting plan. So every adult we can inject into that kid's life to help them is going to be helpful. Well, and the reason that I've asked you all this is because I have one child that's in middle school now. I have another that will be in middle school in just a few short years. And, you know, listening to all of this information, it kind of becomes a bit overwhelming as a parent, you know? I mean, I can just see where some parents can really start to worry and start to question themselves and start to feel like, you know, hey, am I just up against a losing battle? Yes. And especially listening to me, you get to hear all the bad stuff. But I have lots of great stories. And I have, I always tell parents, look, there's a huge margin of error with kids, right? There's a perfect parent, which doesn't exist. But there's, you know, a margin of error, plus or minus, that's huge. And you don't have to be a perfect parent. You don't even have to be a top-notch parent. You have to be a parent that spends time with your kids, that makes some decisions about parenting that are on purpose, right? It's like, hey, this is the parenting plan that I'm going to follow. This is the parenting decision that I'm going to make because of whatever. You just have to make some conscious decisions as, as being a parent instead of just, hey, here's a phone, leave me alone, and I hope you grow up okay which is what a lot of parents are doing. Yes, they are very resilient. And I do think it's important to talk about for the parents listening, what what should you be looking for in these kids? I think that they can be depressed and sad and withdrawn and anxious. There can be slipping grades. They can start skipping school and skipping classes. There can be changes in eating habits, changes in sleep patterns. They can start to develop obvious and palpable low self-esteem, low self-worth. These are all dangerous warning signs that something's going on with your kid. You know, are they being bullied? Are they in a bad relationship? Are they starting to use chemicals and substances that they shouldn't? Are they hanging out with bad guys? You know, I don't know. Is it is it some combination of all of the above? That's usually the situation. I mean, is there anything specific that you tell parents to look for? Well, the number one thing is, Parents, you have to take care of your own mental health, right? Because you are the biggest example to your kids. And if you have bad mental health, you have bad relationships, you have bad work habits, 
Those are all things you have to fix first before you can show your kid. Because kids are paying attention to what adults are doing. And I promise you, I have just as many adults who have mental health issues as kids. So then you have an adult with mental health kid issues who just can't recognize that the kids are having it and they think it's some kind of a magic. It's not magic. We can deal with all this stuff, but you have to recognize the issue first. Go get some parenting help. There's parent coaches, there's groups, there's clubs, there's you know all kinds of things that can be done, but you have to do this consciously and on purpose. Teens normally are going to go up and down in weirdness anyways, right? That's that since caveman days, kids have been, or teens have been weird. That's why I have a hard time with prescribing medication because it's hard to dial in medication to a kid who's changing so much and growing. There's no way you can get that medication dialed in, right? And I see a kid one day, he's a zombie at school. He has no idea what's going on because they've over-medicated him. Then the next day he's under-medicated and the medicine didn't change, the kid changed. They're just growing so much. But the best thing is spending time with your kids so that you know when something funky is going on. Have some talks with your kids so that when you, you know something funky is happening, have some other adults in your life that can talk to them. That can Because sometimes kids don't confide in parents. They'll confide to somebody else that they trust. And that's okay, right? Because sometimes, you know, parents are not the favorite because you come down with rules, as you should. And sometimes kids aren't going to be, you know, too happy with parenting rules. And that's okay, too. But maybe a youth group leader, maybe a YMCA person. You know, we have a, a, a car shop where these all, all these old retired people, they go and help kids with their little hot rods or whatever. Kids can go there and learn mechanics and spend time. Again, the activity isn't the, the important part. The magic is in the adults spending time with the kids and showing them, hey, this is how things work. At home, it's the same thing, right? The magic isn't in whatever you do. It's that you do it. And I read some of the, well, you know, you've touched on it quite a bit today. Some of the at-home solutions um, for you know, in particular for the cell phone issue, which is specific device free time limit notifications so that they're not just constantly getting dinged with this program or that program, you know, definitely no cell phone at the dinner table, no phone in the bed, um, you know, don't, don't have the phone charging in the bed, the beds are for sleeping, the tables are to be eating at and to spend time with your family and talk about the day, you know, just basic, simple, common sense rules. And, you know, I think it's important for people to know these things. Yeah. And I tell one of the biggest things I like parents to do before they give their kid a cell phone is sit down as a family and come up with a screen time limit for the day. What do we think is an appropriate screen time? And I don't care what they come up with. Let's come up with something sensible. I always tell them, hey, start with an hour and a half for a kid who's under 15, an hour and a half a day. Figure it out. But I said, parents, at the same time, figure out your own screen time limit. Because I know even me as an adult, sometimes Apple will come up at the end of the week and say, hey, you spent two and a half hours on screen time. Oh, hey, I'll never get that time back. Let me fix this. Pick a screen time amount of time. That way a child knows what's happening. They know ahead of time that we talked about it. And then, you know, work with that. You can adjust that as they get older, as things happen. They're going on a special week, whatever, you know, you can adjust. But let's start with some kind of a a fundamental agreement on how much time we're going to spend on screen time. And does that mean video games as well? You know, Fortnite um, and Fortnite, by the way, is is the one game that I get 911 calls on the very most is when a parent takes away a kid's Fortnite. The kid yeah. is bonkers and starts breaking windows and, and breaking things and throwing things. And that's what, you know, I've had probably, you know, eight or nine 911 calls myself, not to mention all the other patrol officers in my my city. 
it is it's a crazy thing, right? If that happened in my house, there would be no Fortnite ever again. But we have to know these things are happening. We have to know. The other thing that I see kids do a lot is if you don't let me spend time on the phone, I'm going to be depressed and I'm going to kill myself. So now the kid is running the house. If you don't let me play Fortnite, I'm going to kill myself. Now the kid is running the house and that cannot happen. And you brought up an interesting point earlier. You said once a child starts using their phone, basically, well, I'm not exactly sure how you worded it, but you said, you know, basically the cat's out of the bag. So I'm sure there's some pointers that you may have for us parents that you can provide us with to maybe give us some hope that even if the cat is already out of the bag, you know, is there anything at all that we can do, even if it's just starting really small? Do you have any recommendations that we could try to maybe rein some of this in? Because I feel like sometimes as parents, and I know that I've been guilty of it myself, you know, sometimes you allow your child too much access on the phone or you allow them to be on the Internet ignorantly without meaning to. And I know that's not a great excuse, but I do think that that does happen. So once a parent realizes, oh, my goodness, the cat's out of the bag, this isn't a good idea. Is there anything that they can do to help rein some of it in and start putting some restrictions, for lack of better words, on cell phone usage? So the best thing to do is tackle it as a family problem. And I said, hey, look, let's 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 say you all figured out you're overweight because we were all eating, you know, the fajita diet for six months. Let's treat it as a family problem, not a kid problem. Right. And that's a mistake parents make often is, hey, you've got a problem. We're going to fix you. No, we've got a problem. How are we going to fix this as a family? We're going to do this together. We're going to work as a family to fix it together. And let's take some small steps. Hey, look, let's put them away tonight at eight o'clock. Let's read a book. Let's let's handle this as a family. And I advise families to handle that no matter what the problem is with kids. Right. Let's handle it as a family problem, not a kid problem Um, on runaways. Whenever I go to a runaway call where a kid has run away from the home, I always tell the parents, hey, here's the top five reasons kids run away. Parents, 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 parents and parents. Now, so I'm going to bring your kid back. What are we going to change in this house? Right. And they always think I'm going to scare them into compliance, which isn't going to happen. But handle it as a family problem. Hey, look, we've gotten out of control with our cell phone usage. We are going to sit down and fix it. What do we think we can do to help fix it? And let the kids be a part of it. Let's let's figure this out and work at it, right? I mean, we land people on the moon. We can figure out a cell phone problem. It's a lot to think about all of this. It's It's just a different world than the world I grew up in for sure. I have trouble just turning the computer on. And these kids are like computer geniuses. They use backdoor mechanisms to open up direct messaging programs that are built into basically any app that's out there. It's, it's incredible. I mean, the things they can do, it's just, it's scary, really. It is incredible. And I get parents that tell me, well, y'all, my kid is special needs, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, mm, you know, they're reprogramming, you know, they're, they're programming computers, they're hacking things. Like they're just not focused on the right things. Let's, let's still use that focus, but let's work on some other things and let's give them a little bit more credit than we're giving them. Because you're right, kids are geniuses at figuring this stuff out. They are, they are. Do you see a lot of YouTube videos that are disguised as cartoons and that are disguised to be for children, but they're really not and they're actually just dangerous predators? I don't see a lot, but I do see plenty. Right? I mean, the, the Five Nights at Freddy's is pretty rough. Some of the anime stuff is pretty rough for kids. Right now, I see kids, you know, in third and fourth grade who are watching anime videos or Five Nights at Freddy's or something crazy. 
I mean, it's basically just amplifying their emotional sensitivities and causing a lot of problems, right? So then these kids end up acting out and stuff because they are seeing stuff that's YouTube. And the YouTube creators are purposely mislabeling it so that it can get by the filter so that they get it into the hands of kids, which are a big group for them. And it gets them paid money, right? If they can get it into the kids and get the kids to watch it, they get paid money for that. So it's just like the vape companies who are mismarketing things. The, the YouTube creators are doing the same thing. YouTube itself tries to do a good job of filtering, but they can only do so much. These creators are really going around things by mislabeling, by showing different things. Um, and so it's, it's a tough thing. Again, another thing that you have to watch what your kids are doing and talk about the different things that they're going to see and why you don't want them to see that. Right. Yeah. And when Mark and I first started out on this adventure, we thought, hey, we'll provide education for nurses and nurse practitioners. And now it's kind of evolved into human interest stories and real world stories and, you know, people who are just boots on the ground and, you know, getting them to come and tell their stories about how they can help not only healthcare providers, but just people as well. But we still like to help healthcare providers as much as possible. And I was listening to you give an interview and you were talking about one of the things that you do and one of the tactics that you use when you're de-escalating a situation with an adolescent. And you talked about how the first thing that you do is you introduce yourself and you ask this adolescent what's going on and, you know, how are you doing? today what's going on in your world and you're basically polite to them and you treat them as if you know you treat them how you would want to be treated in return and that's kind of what we're hoping to reiterate within healthcare providers that may be listening is that you know if you start out by treating people as if they're part of your own family and you build that bond and you build that trust and that relationship with them then most things will fall into place because you'll kind of again build that trust and build that relationship so can you talk just a little bit about the difference that is made in your opinion when you're in you know, when you're doing your job with adolescents and you just start out by being polite and respectful to the adolescent who is maybe experiencing a crisis. Yes. And so I do this with adolescents and adults. And actually, when I went to police training, they tell you a lot about command presence and use your big boy voice. Right. And so when I came out and, and got in the training car and I was I was talking to real people on real cases, I was super nice to everyone, no matter what was happening. I always say, hey, I'm Officer Gomez. How can I be of service today? Right? And I do that no matter what. The, you know, somebody's even shooting at me. I'm still, hey, how can I be of service today? How can I help you? And I tell kids and parents as well, you know, a lot of people, well, you have to give respect to earn respect. And I've said, no, I respect everybody, right? You have to earn my trust, not my respect. I'm going to respect everybody. And by doing that, I've been able to de-escalate things and do things that, Nobody else has been able to do just by a simple, hi, how are you doing? How can I help you? Right. Ask some open end questions and then listen, listen to what's going on. What is the problem that is happening here? And kids love to talk. They love to be heard. They love to have an opinion. Just give them that opportunity. Right. I have kids will tell me even more than I want to know sometimes like, hey, did you ask them? No, I didn't ask them. They just told me because I'm listening. It's like, okay, I don't really want to hear all that. But. We heard it anyways. And kids, they're super smart. They know when you're not treating them right. They know when you're just, you know, placating them. 
be honest. Hey, let's, let's have a real conversation. Let's be a team. And I tell them, even when they're in the most trouble, or they've done something bad. I said, look, I'm still going to be on your team. I'm going to write you a citation, but I'm going to be on your team anyways. Right. And I hear you as a mom. I hear you as a nurse practitioner. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I really do. And it sounds to me like you're saying, talk to the kids, give them an opportunity to speak and, you know, just be polite, be respectful. But are there any other pointers that you can give healthcare providers? What are some of the things that we can be doing to help out with these issues? So listen, offer help to the parents, especially if you're dealing with teens. Let's get the parents some help, right? Because that's what's ultimately going to be the kid has to go home. And so two of the things that I'm doing here, number one, we are trying to mandate any adult parent that goes to jail, they have to take a love and logic course to get out. Or as part of their pretrial release, you're going to take a parenting class. And the next time you go to jail, you're going to take another parenting class. We don't want just criminals to be good parents. So what we're offering here is if you take a parenting class, we give you like two weeks of free healthcare voucher. Right. So that we get the, an education to the parents because the kids have to go home. They have to spend time with parents. So let's offer the resources to the parents. Hey, look, here's a, you know, the, the five tips you can do. Here's, you know, it'd be nice if they could pick up a pamphlet. Hey, here's how to give your kid a phone. Here's the five rules you should have in your home rules. Here's how to start a conversation with your kid. Sit down. Hey, how are you doing today? How was school? Right. How can I help you? Um, other things I like to tell parents, look, no matter what financial background you come from, if you teach kids multiplication tables, they are going to be smarter than the rest of the population the rest of their life. If you read to their kids, they're going to be smarter than the rest of the population the rest of your life. That's something anybody can do. In fact, that's one of my favorite disciplines is make them write down multiplication tables. Because I get kids who are 15 and 16 and don't even know what, you know, seven times six is or, you know, five times four, anything like that. because They've just never been taught. And that is one of the keys, you know, stepping stones to the rest of your life is knowing your multiplication table. But for anybody who works with kids like that, let's let's help the parents, because that's really who's going to make the biggest change. You're going to see them a couple times, but the parents are going to see them always. It's a big task. It's parenting and what you're doing for society, being a school resource officer, a police officer, being in the emergency room, these type of service industries, it's a very large task. It's a very large job. It's a job worth doing. I wake up every day and learn things and I'm still challenged by it. And I still, you know, I, I try to fight the fight and provide all the help that I can. And at least I think what I do is important. You know, I hope it is. And so I greatly respect what you're doing and your approach to it all and your thoughtfulness and analysis of it. And it's just so good to hear. It is. Yeah, it really is. And as a mom, I just want to say that I actually do read your posts and I take your information and your tips to heart because, for example, a few months ago when you mentioned that we need to be talking to our kids about the things that are happening over in Israel because they may see some of these things online or on social media or their friends may be talking about it at school because maybe they saw some of the videos. I took that to heart and I talked to my children about these things and I tried to prepare them for some of the things that they may hear about and I told some of my friends about your tips and you know they said hey good idea thanks for for telling me that you know I mean we really do appreciate the tips that you're providing for all of us we really do yes and everybody can be a champion for kids right because I felt 
right? The best champion should be their parents, but that's not always the case. So the next best champion is a school teacher, a crossing guard, a, you know, a hospital tech, a doctor, a nurse, a, a librarian. Anybody can do this. And we just have to build these, our communities to do that and to understand that, hey, anybody can make a difference. You know, and the biggest difference, listen to them, care about them, right? After that, everything else is going to fall into place. That way you don't have to memorize a bunch of stuff. Just do the right thing. Basic humanity, right? And everybody responds to that one way or another. And you know, we've said the same thing here. Everybody is in healthcare, whether they know it or not. You're going to impact other people. And you can either help those people or not help those people. It's the same concept that you just stated so eloquently. It's not complicated. And I see people in all walks of life who have different talents for communicating with people. And, you know, the way I do it might not be the way somebody else do it, but somebody else might have their own way, right? Use your special talents. Some people do it through music. Some people do it through sports. Some people do it through, you know, outdoors. Use whatever you have to connect and it'll work out, right? Love and care. And that's, you can't go wrong. Thank you so much for doing this with us today. We really do appreciate it. And please keep up the good work. Just thank you. Thank you so much, officer. Yep. Yes, thank you. We really, really appreciate you. And we really appreciate all the tips that you've given us and all the tips that you continue to put on social media. Well, you guys are very welcome. And you guys are helping me do the same thing, right? You guys are doing your part to help everybody as well. You're using your special talent. I use mine and everybody has a part to play for sure. So I thank you guys as well. Thank you. We appreciate that and we appreciate you. Well, Amanda, Officer Gomez is quite a guy. I mean, just uh, has devoted his life to helping kids and helping teenagers and is just so knowledgeable about their world and the best ways to help them and how to help parents help their own kids. Just what an inspiration and what just an amazing guy. He, he really is, and I really do enjoy his posts on social media. I check them out every single day, and, you know, on his Facebook page, he says that he shares the information that we need to know to navigate today's kids in schools, and having a resource like this as a parent, I am so grateful for it because... There are just so many things that he teaches us about that may seem simple, but I never would have known about. I mean, for example, he'll even educate parents on different dares or trends or whatever that are going around TikTok that could be dangerous that, you know, he helps make parents aware of these things so that you can talk to your kids about them up front and make sure that they know the the risk involved of participating in these types of dares. These things that I just know absolutely nothing about. Well, I don't really think any of us do. And so that is the importance of what Officer Gomez is doing. Really, it's, it's just such a different world that these kids live in today compared to how I grew up, like I said earlier. And he's immersed in that world. He knows all of the ins and outs of it. He's constantly looking for the the faults and flaws and the way the world is being presented to them and how it's dangerous for them and what he can do to step in and protect these kids from dangers that they don't even perceive. I mean, he really is an amazingly intelligent and insightful guy. 
he is. I mean, you can find out information that he shares about Fortnite and Roblox and Minecraft and all the dangers that can be involved there. Just the addictive nature of some of these games. I mean, he's, he's really a resourceful guy. I know that he's on Facebook. I know that he has a YouTube channel. I know that he's on TikTok. He has an email address. We'll link all of that in our show notes. And if you're not following Officer Gomez, you, you really have to. As a parent, as an educator, as a healthcare provider, he is just an excellent resource. Really just as an interested person, as a good person in our society that wants to help people. I think that he is a great resource for all. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Officer Gomez, for joining us. We really, really appreciate you. And thank you all for listening. Again, you can find out more about us at markedmedicine.com. If you have a topic that you would like to hear us talk about or a guest that you would like to hear share their story on our show, or if you have a story that you would like to share on our show, reach out to us. You can send us an email, drmark at markedmedicine.com. You can find Mark on social media. And we We will see you guys same time, same place next week. Thank you all so much for listening.